Matthew chapter 27 this morning. Wasn't that beautiful? What a beautiful special. It's been good to be here. Matthew chapter 27, while you're turning there, uh, I want to say that June the 12th, we will be having homecoming services that morning. Uh, instead of having Sunday school, we'll meet at 10 o'clock and have singing that morning. So y'all plan on being there uh, that morning at 10 o'clock. We'll have uh, a dinner afterwards, and then that night we will begin our vacation Bible school. Miss uh, Denise printed off some cards in the back. These are invitations. Uh, half of it is an invitation for homecoming. The other half is for vacation Bible school. Uh, I want to encourage you to stop and get some of these cards. Take these cards and give it to a co-worker, give it to a neighbor, give it to a friend, a family member. Let's invite people here. Uh, I want to encourage you, homecoming service, let's let's fill this place. Let's pack this place out. Are y'all willing to do that? Uh, that week, let's pack this place slap full of kids. I know the teachers hear that and they kind of stroke out a little bit. But I'll tell you what, I know what they're going to hear when they get here. And they need to hear what we have to say because we hold the good news gospel in our hands. And so we need as many kids here that week, June the 11th, the the day before homecoming, I'm going to meet here at 9 o'clock and we're going to take a bunch of those cards and we're going to go to town and we're going to pass these cards out. We're going, we're going to meet at the different stores. We're going to knock some doors. Anybody, everybody willing and able to go, June the 11th at 9 o'clock, we'll go from about 9 to 12. Let's get the word out. This is a great opportunity to get the word of Jesus Christ out. It opens the door. So if you can, be here for this. Matthew chapter 27. I want to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. I read this the other night in the Lord's Supper, and it's just been on me all week, and I wanted to preach on it this morning. Beautiful, beautiful Scripture today. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard that, said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar, put it on a reed and gave him a drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Verse 51 is where our text begins this morning. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after His resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank You for the story that we read of this morning. Lord, I pray that You take our hearts back to that place called Calvary. Lord, I pray that You would impress upon our hearts and our minds this morning, Lord, the story and the, and the debt that was paid there at the cross, Lord. May we never forget what Jesus did for us. Lord, I pray today that we would allow this cross to change us. I pray, Lord, that we would allow what Jesus did at Calvary to affect us. 
Lord, I'm glad that that event was a life-changing event. And I'm glad that great mighty miracles took place that day, Lord. Lord, I am so thankful that the day that, that your son died upon that cross, he changed things. This society was affected and changed and impacted forever. And I am so thankful for that today. Lord, I need your help to preach this message. Lord, I pray you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that I'd be sensitive to the call and the leadership of you this morning. Lord, give me your touch today. Lord, I pray that you allow me the liberty to preach, Lord. I love you, and I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk to you about the effects of the cross. The effects of the cross. I think it's safe to say that there's never been a single event in history that has impacted and had quite an effect like the cross of Calvary did. The very day that Jesus, the Son of the living God, died and was crucified upon this cross at Calvary in the city of Jerusalem, may I say that that day and that event changed things. That event impacted things. It changed people. It changed generations. It changed religions. It changed all kinds of things. I want you to know the cross affected things that day. What Jesus did in His finished work at the cross affected life. Life was changed the day that Jesus died upon the cross. I want you to know the day that He died, it changed death. I want you to know that death can be looked at completely different today because of what Jesus did at Calvary. I want you to know that He changed eternity. I want you to know that eternity changed that day. The way we look at eternity, my eternity changed the very day that Jesus died upon the cross at Calvary. I'm glad the cross had great effect that day. I'm glad that it changed life. I'm glad that it changed death. I'm glad that it changed eternity. I want you to know that it impacted the people then. All of those people looking on. We read of some people, and we'll talk about them in a minute, that watched this great event. I want you to know that it changed them. It changed those people that were in Jerusalem for the Passover. And they went to that great event that day. I want you to know what they seen was mighty, mighty great. What they seen and what they experienced was a life-changing event that changed them 2,000 years ago. But I'm glad as I stand here 2,000 years later that the cross still changes people. I'm glad that it can still not only have an effect on those people, but affect us today and affect the people for all of eternity. I'm glad that society was forever changed at Calvary. I'm glad my eternity was forever changed at Calvary. I'm glad my life was changed at Calvary. I want you to know that Calvary is a life-changing event. I want you to know it's a game-changer this morning. I want you to know that you can be living life And you can be on the wrong end of life and everything going bad for you. But if you would get to Calvary, if you would get to the cross this morning, if you would get to the place where Jesus died for you and suffered for you, I'm telling you that event is still a life-changing event. I want you to know that when you get to Calvary, things change. I want you to know your life can change this morning at Calvary. You know, a lot of times people say, well, this is my life, this is who I am. And I'll just be this way till I die. Friend, I'm glad Calvary changed that. I'm glad Calvary can change your life. I'm glad Calvary can save you this morning. I want you to know that Calvary has an effect on us today. And I want us this morning to be reminded of the impact 
and the effect that it had on them that day to remind us that Calvary can still change people today. Calvary can still affect us today. If you're with me, say amen. What I want to look at this morning is some miracles that took place. And that's the only, the only word to use to describe what took place. These are simply miracles that took place the day that Jesus died on the cross. These events took place during that time. Some say there was days later when one of the events occurred. Some say that it was during those three days he was buried. I don't know. But this, these events took place when Jesus died at Calvary. Number one in verse 51. It said, And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. Number one, the veil of the temple was rent. The very first change in impact that Calvary had is the veil in the temple was rent. The veil in the temple separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. And this place, the Holy of Holies, was a place where the Ark of the Covenant rested. And where the Ark of the Covenant was, the mercy seat was there, the cherubims was on top of that. And between these cherubims rested the presence of God. It rested His very presence. And I want you to know that it rested there because God desired to be with His people. Why did His presence rest upon that ark? Because He wanted to be with Israel. He wanted to fellowship with humanity. And I'm glad He still wants to fellowship with us today. But the problem was, is they were sinners. And that sin blocked that fellowship. It blocked that line of communication between Him and Israel. And so He allowed His presence to go down and dwell among the people, but there was restrictions there. Because that's what sin does this morning. It puts restrictions on our relationship with God. And that veil was a picture of the separation between humanity and the Lord. The veil was there to separate sin from the presence of a holy and righteous God. And every time that that veil was seen, mankind was remembered that, hey, there is something standing between us and God. People couldn't just walk in freely. People couldn't just walk in how they wanted to. People couldn't just go in there because this is the very presence of God. And by the way, the Bible says that we come short of that very presence. We come short of the glory of God this morning. And so these people of Israel weren't allowed just to walk in any time they wanted to. There were rules. There were regulations. There was a way into the presence of God. People couldn't just walk in any way they wanted to. People all the time say, well, you know, salvation is what you think, what, whatever you think you want it to be or whatever feels good. Friend, that's not what it's about. When we go into God's presence, we got to go His way, not our way. And that's what Israel, the deal was there. They had to go God's way. And the veil reminded them that they had to go God's way. And that veil separated them. But once a year, the high priest, only the high priest, was allowed into that very presence. And the only way that he was allowed into the very presence of God was by the blood of a lamb. Okay? The only time that he could go in there is after the shedding of a lamb. When that blood was shed of that lamb, he would take that, that blood and he would go in. That's the only way he could enter into the presence of God is by the blood of the lamb. Amen. <laughs> I'm glad that's still the only way to enter that presence this morning is through the blood of the lamb. And when he would get in there, he would take that blood and he would sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and he would begin to offer forgiveness for the sins of the people. And he would ask for the forgiveness and God would forgive. And this was called the day of atonement. 
And there, here we are, Jesus is down on the cross, it's Passover, the event was taking place, the lamb had been killed, the blood had been shed, but I want you to know a different lamb died that day, I want you to know that a different blood was shed that day, a different blood that has ever been shed before, I want you to know what all the blood of those goats and animals couldn't do, the blood of Jesus did one time, amen? And I want you to know the very day that He died on that cross, the very quick impact that it had that that veil that was there to separate God and humanity was rent. It was ripped apart. It was torn in two. And the Bible says that it was torn from the top to the bottom. That separation that was now that had hindered man from entering into the presence of God is now being torn in half. All of this time, animals had to be sacrificed. All this time, priests needed to do this work. These rituals had to be done. But now, this is a game changer, friend. If it wasn't for this, we'd still have to raise lambs and offer them as a sacrifice. But I want you to know that Calvary changed things. And that day, the God of heaven reached down and He took the veil of the temple and He rented it half. And friend, when that high priest was in there and those priests were in there doing the work, could you only imagine the effect that it had on those men that day as they went in to offer that blood? Friend, they were reminded that the blood of Jesus was shed. And the blood that was shed that was needed for the atonement of their sin was paid in full. It was done at Calvary. And God reached down and He tore that veil. This is something awesome to me. We don't know the size of this veil. One man believes, and this is what he said, through history, that it was 60 foot long, 20 foot wide, and as thick as a man's hand was measured at the palm, which is about four inches. Four inches thick was the veil that kept mankind outside of the presence of God. It said that a yoke of oxen could not have ripped the veil of this temple. And friend, it being ripped from the top to the bottom reveals unto us that only one ripped that veil that day. That only one tore that veil that God Himself reached down from heaven and said, now the separation that has been there for all of this time is now gone. Because my son did what animals could not do. May I tell you, this was a game changer. Listen now. No longer did we need religion. No longer did we need ceremony. No longer would we need rituals. No longer would we need these animals, praise God. No longer would we need priests. Listen to me. No longer would we need another man to go before us into the very presence of God on our behalf. Because Jesus did what nobody else could do. He did what no other lamb could do. He did what no other priest could do. And He fully satisfied the judgment of God that day. And when Jesus died on the cross, He made Himself the way into the very presence of God. I don't need a priest anymore. I don't need a lamb anymore. I don't need a ceremony anymore. Bless God, all I need is Jesus now. The only way into the presence of God now is by the faith in Jesus Christ. Friend, there's no other way into His presence today other than a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Oh, preacher, man, my works are good. God is not impressed at your works today. It's your works that separates you and God. Oh, preacher, I've been baptized. Oh, preacher, I give my tithe. Oh, preacher, I've been a member for 40 years. Friend, membership won't get you to heaven. Only Jesus will get you to heaven. It's the only thing that dealt with that separation between us and God. I want you to know that Jesus reconciled us to God. 
(laughs) We were alienated. We were separated. Now we're brought into the very presence of a holy, righteous God through Jesus. Through the preacher? No. Man, I'm a sinner. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. I'm a sinner. I can't take anybody to heaven. But Jesus can. He did the work. And that day in the temple, the veil was rent to let mankind know that that separation is gone. One man said it was God's way of saying that in the death of my son Jesus, there is now total access into my holy presence. Isn't it awesome that we can enter into God's presence anytime we want to now because of what Jesus did? Oh, what a life-changing event. Notice verse 51. At the very end of the verse, the earth did quake. And the rocks rent. That day the veil in the temple was rent. The earth did quake. There was an earthquake the day that Jesus died on the cross. A lot of times we don't talk about that, do we? A lot of times we don't talk about the very day that He died and darkness fell upon the earth. That the earth quaked. I want you to know that all the earth knew that something was going on that day. I want you to know that when Jesus died on the cross, it didn't just shake Jerusalem, it shook all the earth. Everybody knew what was going on at Calvary that day. I want you to know it was an earth-shaking event. Earthquakes never began until the curse of sin fell upon humanity. When God created this earth, He created it perfect. Back in the, uh, in the garden with Adam and Eve, there wasn't any earthquakes. There didn't need to be any earthquakes. When the curse of sin came... Earthquakes began. One of the first times that we seen an earthquake was when Moses was up on Mount Sinai. If you remember when he was receiving the law, uh, the earthquake, the Bible said that there was a great earthquake upon there and the people knew what was going on. We read of Elijah on Mount Oreb. When he was dealing with God, there was an earthquake that day. David mentioned three times during his ministry of an earthquake. I want you to know that Isaiah mentions an earthquake. Jeremiah mentions earthquakes. I want you to know we go to the New Testament. We find John the Revelator on the Isle of Patmos looking at things to come. He's seen earthquakes. He's seen earthquakes. And every time in the Bible that we see earthquakes, it represents the judgment of God upon sin. Every time that we see an earthquake, it represents that God is judging sin. The very day that Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. The judgment of God upon sin was taking place that day. I want you to know that when Jesus died on the cross, God was judging me and He was judging you. You see, Jesus didn't have sin. He was perfect. Even Pilate looked at him and said, I find no fault in this man. He hadn't done anything wrong. But when he went to the garden, he drank that bitter cup. And he took upon himself the sins of humanity. When Jesus died on the cross, that was not his cross. It was my cross. It was your cross. It wasn't his sin. It was our sin. It was our sin that he died for that day. And the judgment that he paid and the penalty that he paid was not for his actions, but for my actions. The Bible said that God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Isn't that beautiful? While we were sinners. I've heard people say, oh, I'm too bad to get saved. Friend, while you were a sinner, He knows who you are. He knows where you come from. And He died for you the way you are. And all of the judgment of God upon sin was put right there at Calvary. 
And I want you to know that God judged sin that day. God judged sin in the book of Isaiah chapter 53 said that when God looked down upon this sacrifice and what Jesus did, that He looked down and He was satisfied. He was satisfied. You see, God's judgment and God's wrath upon sin has never been satisfied before until Jesus died on the cross. Let me tell you something. Salvation's free. But friend, it came at a great price. I want you to know that our salvation took a price. There was a cost. And it costed God His only begotten Son is what it cost Him. And I want you to know that He laid it down freely. And I want you to know that every one of our sins was judged that day upon the Calvary. And I can be forgiven today because what Jesus did at Calvary 2,000 years ago. I can be redeemed today. I can have victory today because Jesus defeated my sin and took my penalty for me at the cross. I want you to know today that if you're lost, you're lost for no reason. Because Jesus did anything and everything that it took so that you can be saved today. Oh, preacher, my life's bad. You don't know where I come from, friend. You don't know what God did for you this morning. If you're doubting His power, if you're doubting what He can do for you, friend, you need to get to the cross this morning and understand that He took every sin you ever committed and He took it before a holy and righteous God. And when He offered that blood for the atonement of our sin, God looked down and He said, Satisfied. He said, Satisfied. Friend, you can satisfy God today. Not through your works. Not through what you can do. But you can satisfy the wrath of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that's the only thing that satisfies a holy and righteous God. If you're with me, say amen. Oh, stay with me. I want you to notice this other thing here in number 52. We don't mention this a lot when we talk about the cross. The Bible said the graves were open, and many of the bodies of the saints which slept arose. Notice the word many didn't say all. It said many bodies of the saints which slept arose. And came out of the grave, notice this words, after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Number three, the graves were open. The very day that Jesus died, during that time, the graves were open. And many of the saints which slept got up and walked out of the graves. And I want you to notice what it said in 53, and came out of the graves after his resurrection, and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. When Jesus died, dead people got up and walked out. That's what happened. When Jesus died on Calvary, dead people got up and started walking. Friend, you won't talk about a life-changing event. Could you imagine? I live across from a cemetery. <laughs> Could you imagine Brother Jeff getting up one morning, getting ready to go to work, and people walking out in that cemetery, getting out of the graves and walking around? That's what happened. When Jesus died upon the cross... The dead in Christ got up. They got up. I want you to know that that was a picture to us. That through Him, through Jesus Christ, that He is, number one, the first fruits of our resurrection. And it proves to us that He truly defeated death, hell, and the grave. I want you to know because of what Jesus did on the cross, I don't have to lie in the grave anymore. I don't, man, these people say, well, when you die, you go to the grave. No, you don't. You're either going to hell or you're going to heaven. You say, well, that's kind of firm, preacher. Well, that's what the Bible says. Take it up with God. Amen? You're not going to the grave. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. And blessed be to God, because of Calvary, I'm going to heaven. 
And Jesus showed them when these people got up and they walked out that it took a death for there to be life. And it showed them that there was power in what just took place at the cross of Calvary. I want you to know that great power comes from what He did at Calvary. I've been to Calvary. I accepted Jesus as my Savior. I made Him my personal Savior. You know what? No, I'm not going to the grave. And I'm not going to hell. I don't care what the devil does. <laughs> he can't take me to hell anymore. Isn't that awesome? I'm going to heaven. You think so, preacher? No, I know so. Well, I hope I've done good enough today to go to heaven. No, it ain't none of that. Friend, I know because what Jesus did at, at Calvary, that what He did was enough for me to defeat hell and defeat death in my life. Friend, He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's alive. Hey, we don't serve a dead God. A dead God's nobody's God. A dead Savior's nobody's Savior. But He's alive. He's alive. And I want you to know that if you're in Jesus, you're alive today. I want you to know that if you know Him and you have Him in your life, you're alive today. And death will never be able to kill you. Hell will never be able to destroy you anymore. But if you're lost, you're dead inside. If you're lost, you're dead inside. But may I tell you that at Calvary, all that can change. Because at Calvary that day, Jesus took what was dead and He brought it to life. Ain't that awesome? You cannot kill what God has given life to. Isn't that awesome? Man, that devil, he hates what we're doing here today. The very day that I got saved, it made him mad. It made him angry that I got saved. And he works on me every day. But one thing that he doesn't have influence over anymore is my eternity. He can't take me to hell. Well, can't you lose your salvation? No. No, no, no. If you didn't get that, I'll tell you again. No. <laughs> Nothing can separate me from the love of God. If the work of cross was enough to get me saved, then by golly, it's enough to keep me saved. Amen? It's not, well, I got saved because of His work, but I got to stay saved because of my work. No, it don't work that way. It's all the finished work at Calvary. And I know today that eternity in heaven is there waiting on me because of what He did. Because He brought me life. It took that death to bring life. Notice the next one. Man, I love this. Notice this. Verse 54. Number four, people were saved. Now, when the centurion... And we give so much glory to the centurion, but notice these next words, and they that were with him. It wasn't just the centurion, and they that were with him watching. Jesus saw the earthquake and those things which were done, and they feared greatly. Could you imagine watching dead people get up? How many of you probably would have went and took a pill? I mean, surely something's wrong with me. How many people would have thought, what in the world is going on? Dead people are getting up and walking. The earth is quaking. What is going on? Darkness fell upon the face of the earth, the veil, and the temple. Could you imagine? These people were changed. It affected them in a mighty, mighty way. And because of these miracles and because of what Jesus did, they knew what was happening. They knew that this was an event that only a holy and righteous God could do. And they knew that this was far more than just a good man or a good prophet on the cross. They looked at that cross and all these mighty miracles. 
And they said, truly, this was the Son of God. People say, well, I don't believe in miracles. Let me tell you what a miracle is. That an old sinner by the name of Josh Llewellyn was dying and going to hell. There was nothing that could be done. And I stopped one day and I realized I had a Savior in Jesus. And I stopped and I said, oh, God, save me. Oh, God, save me. I want you to know a miracle took place that day. Well, that's not a miracle. I don't care what you call it. It's awesome. I was going to hell. And boom, like that, I was going to heaven. Well, that's not a miracle. I don't know what it was. But I know this. I was lost and then I was found. I was dead and then I was alive. That's awesome. Call me a redneck. But good God Almighty, that's good stuff. Call it a miracle. I don't care what you call it. Friend, people get saved because of Jesus Christ. Lives are changed because of Jesus Christ. Eternity is changed because of Jesus Christ. I've seen grown men. I've seen grown women at the end of their life. No one, preacher, if I die right now, I'm going to hell. And they fall down where they are. And they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And boom, just like that, a smile comes on their face. Boom, just like that, joy enters their heart. And And I say, hey, if you die right now, where are you going? They say, I'm going to heaven. Friend, that's a miracle to me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Lives are changed at Calvary. Lives are saved at Calvary. May I tell you, Calvary will save you today. Calvary will save your soul. Preacher, you don't know where I've been. Friend, do you know where Jesus has been? He's been to Calvary. He died for you so that you can be saved. Be saved right now. Walk down this aisle this morning and get saved. Ask God where you are to save your soul. If you're lost this morning, there's no point in it. You could have life today. Are you with me, church? You could be saved right now this morning. Let's get saved this morning. Isn't it time to see souls saved? Jesus is coming back, friend. Death is coming. we got to get ready. And the cross did everything possible for us to go to heaven. If you're going to heaven today, say amen. If you couldn't say amen, I want you to say amen by the time this service is over. I want you to walk down this aisle and I want you to get saved. I want you to know something. Anybody and everybody that's ever been to Calvary got their life changed. People say, well, I'm saved. But there's no change. There's no change. Friend, we see it. Calvary changes people. It changes families. Do you know how many true alcoholic and drug addicts have been to Calvary? And they've been to all the counselors. They've been to all the medication and nothing helped. But they got down at Calvary and they found a Savior in Jesus. And He changed them. Well, I can change. And and people say, well, I can't change. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, you can change through Him. Be saved today. He can change you. He can change you. He can change families. He can change your eternity. He can change your habits. He can change your song. Amen. He can change your frown and turn it upside down. Ain't that good? Man, I'm telling you, He can bring life to you this morning. Will you let it change you? Will you let it change you? It's a life-changing event. Right here at Promise Man. You can go to God in your heart and you can fall down at that cross. You can say, Lord, change me. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, I want to invite you down right now. Don't wait. Come on, let me show you how to be saved.
If you're here this morning and you have a decision to make, let's make it this morning. If you need to get to these altars, let's do it this morning. Let's all stand very quiet, very reverent. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. And Miss Jennifer's going to play for us this morning. And while she plays, I want to invite you to come. Let Calvary change you. Let Calvary affect you this morning. Let it impact you. Let it save you.